0: Hi, and welcome to the Soundtrack.Academy podcast, bringing you advice on soundtrack composition and production, as well as insights into the media music industry. Each week, we talk with a guest working in media music to discuss how they got started, their creative process, and other knowledge they've gained from their experiences. For links, show notes, and other episodes, visit Soundtrack.Academy slash podcast. For this week's episode, I'm joined by the multi-talented Neil Spencer-Bruce, Neil has a wide range in creative background, having toured the world as a gigging guitarist, studied soundscapes and psychoacoustics at PhD level, directed over 700 commercial film projects, and created sound design and production music that's had placements on TV, film, apps, and video games. Alongside his creative output, Neil lectures at university level, runs a successful YouTube channel focusing on guitar technique and equipment, and also hosts a podcast called There Is Another Way centred around the freelance lifestyle. Okay, Neil, thank you so much for joining me on the show. No worries, nice to be on here. <laughs> Can we start a little bit with your background and what you do? Yeah, sure, I mean, how long have you got? I've got quite
1: a weird, <laughs> varied background. Um, all basically with one goal in mind that, you know, since a teenager, well, probably even since about the age of seven or eight, all I knew that I had to do something which involved music, and as I went kind of through school and that's actually through one music teacher who kind of introduced me to music of John Cage and Steve Reich, and I kind of realized, oh, there's this sound thing as well, and around that time as well, I was kind of finding out about people like Peter Gabriel and his recording techniques, and it was just like this whole new world opened up. So I've kind of got this very diverse music and kind of hardcore sound background, so... Um, I won't bore you with the whole story, but through a matter of circumstances, I wasn't actually able to go on and study music at university just because of something that happened at school With in terms of not being able to run the course, uh, A-level music, and I didn't have a high enough grades at that point. In hindsight, I probably knowing how universities work now, I probably could have got uh, in <laughs> with an audition or something. But this was a long time before the internet. So you kind of go on people's advice rather than actually knowing what would happen. <laughs> so I ended up doing uh, acoustics because I-, I got a piece of advice from, I used to do a lot of live sound while I was at school. And a-, a guy I used to work with basically said, you know, one thing that was, you know, can really help you out is if you start to understand what's actually happening behind like behind all the knobs and all the controls, that, you know, that'll, that'll put you in a different place. And I was like, oh, that's, that's some good advice. So I went off uh, and uh, studied acoustics. Um, it was pretty hardcore. It was a lot more maths and a lot less mixing boards than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> uh, and then um, kind of fell, not fell back well, all along this time, I was playing in bands and continued to play in bands. I pretty much played in bands since day one, writing music, doing all you know, doing all the things that we were hoping to do. I then was able, really fortunate enough, to get uh, a job working in a studio, uh, the Manor Studio, on their mo- mobile section. So I got to work, you know, quite early on with some really big name acts, you know, such sort as of members of Led Zeppelin, Al Green, people like that. So I got a real uh, big introduction to the world. But I also, at the same time, still had this fascination with sound and, and doing my own thing. I was always in the back of my mind was, was doing my own music and creating, um, I guess, soundscapes. Soundscapes of music, but not necessarily kind of abstract music, but something that would draw you in. I always think of things like, you know, maybe a bit bit clichéd, but something like Pink, Pink Floyd, where they've created a musical sound world. Um, through Again, through a series of... Events, uh, I ended up doing a, a master's in signal processing, digital signal processing, uh, and then got really into to recording soundscapes, field recording, because it, it tied into sampling, kind of using field recording as samples. Um, and again, through a weird series of events, uh, not really intentional, I was doing a composition course at, at Goldsmiths in London, and uh, the, the the guy who was lecturing me there kind of said, oh, you went to Salford, didn't you? And I was like, yeah, it was a long time ago. And he went, yeah, I've just got a whole bunch of uh, funding to do some soundscape research. You know, you, you ever thought about doing a PhD? And I was like, nah, no, no. <laughs> uh, and he said, oh, you, why, why didn't you apply? And I was like, well, why don't I? So I did, and I came up here. I had a, a, a trip down memory lane from my student days and didn't expect anything to happen. And that was about 13 years ago, and I'm still here. <laughs> Great. And just to make it even more mock of music, running alongside of that, as I said, you know I always always really wanted to study music that was that's always been the thing. and thankfully, you know due to I guess the internet due to things like the open university, um, I was able to to study begin studying music through the open university and then got a scholarship uh, through Steve Vai, the guitarist to study uh, orchestration at uh, Berkeley through Berkeley online. And yeah, I, I kind of fulfilled my dream of going to guitar school in a, in a weird roundabout way. So it yeah, didn't happen straight away, but it got there in the end.
0: <laughs> That's amazing. So the music that you, uh, you studied with, with the Open University and through Berkeley. Uh, sorry, you said Berkeley was orchestration. I did orchestration.
1: And then actually, uh, I then moved on to doing the, their guitar program. So I did their kind of mastering guitar. Uh, rock jazz and uh what's the other one blues
0: <laughs> oh, okay and with yeah. the open university was that just the general music
1: that was the, just the, the, a couple of gen- the general music courses So i got the music diploma and then went on to d- you know to do the, the higher level music um course that they offered i don't know if they still offer that anymore but um which is a shame if they don't cuz it was a great course
0: yeah yeah so uh, so real um academic background to your kind of um, to your music then and well sound design and music yeah it Feels that way. <laughs> but I, 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 when people say that, like, I, I don't consider myself.
1: I just consider myself a, a, a guy who who uh, who likes to make noise and sounds and record them and basically play guitar. You know, so with yeah. this uh, kind of, I guess, bag of knowledge that I've, I've, I bring along with me, which um, is useful at times. You know, some people might see it as a bit of a hindrance, and I do feel it as a bit of a barrier. And may, maybe if I did things. differently, differently and had some different advice, I might have uh, probably not gone down this route and, and kind of started doing music. I, I, when I say seriously, I mean, I, I was doing it seriously, but I think there's seriously and there's actually focused and uh, I think more focused and uh, less guidance from maybe other people in pushing you in directions sometimes. I don't know. You can't change anything, so
0: I wouldn't change. I, I probably wouldn't change anything. It's it's been a an interesting life so far. Yeah, I mean, it's a real yeah. um, sort of general musicianship background you have, rather than something sort of. Re- I mean, rather than something really, really uh, niche and, speci- and specified, I suppose.
1: Yeah, I, I suppose. I mean, obviously, that the PhD is kind of like yeah, yes. you, you, you become the world <laughs> expert in the world's smallest area. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah,
0: that's where right. that's that's where that's where I've come from. So how did you learn about uh, film composition or, or composition for media? Uh, funnily enough, actually
1: I just something I forgot to mention in there, I, a long time that started very early on, uh, there was uh, music for the media and what was happening at that time was a lot of the stuff I was putting out um was people going oh that's really that you know they that, that could be used in a film because as I said I'm trying to create sound worlds and experiences and it's like it's not pop music and when you play it to I guess the casual listener they they're going, "Oh there's no lyrics and you go, oh, that probably that's film music, isn't it?" And you think, "Oh, that would work really well in a film, and you go, "Oh, I suppose maybe it would yeah and i'm I'm trying to find a, a commercial audience and you go, well, maybe actually the music that I'm playing isn't ever going to be on you know it's never going to be a hit or something like that it's yeah, but it's more suitable for film um again, part of my the bands that I was interested in, or music I was interested in, Hans Zimmer came up quite along in, in the early days and kind of film composition, I guess film composers as well. So, um, I, yeah, the music for the media was just starting out with the Guy and I, I kind of thought, oh yeah, I'll sign up for that. So I did, I did that course and that opened um, quite a few doors to getting into the world of composing. I guess it was earlier days now. I think the world's changed a little bit since when I, I first started doing that course.
0: Sure. Yeah, there's a lot there's a lot more media around, isn't there? Yeah. <laughs> With your soundscape background, do you would you say your music is uh experimental in its creation or, or are you focus on more traditional things like melody and harmony as you're creating? Without coming across like someone who has a bit personality I, I, there's there's kind of
1: two aspects and this is something which i i really struggle with and i really struggle with today um and i don't know what the answer is this, i think what i'm for. I, I do these two, kind of two things right stuff which is ambient maybe a little bit experimental trying things out um exploring field recordings exploring using that in a musical context but on the other hand of me as i said probably the thing that's my most reinforced is i just love good old groove and rock and roll <laughs> and melody and playing a massive A chord in front of a Marshall stack, that kind of thing, you know, that's that's <laughs> where the real excitement comes from. Uh, th- th- yeah, the other stuff is, it excites me, I suppose. I, I get excited by both, um, by both worlds and I've never found a way of making the two join together. So I have this kind of like disparate personality of <laughs> the things that I do. And I think it, that probably sums up with my kind of edu- educational background, the things that I've always been trying to do two things, but n- never found a way to
0: yet make them meet. Yeah, do you find it's almost like a conflict between you as a musician and you as a technician?
1: Um, probably there is there there is those aspects those do come to the the full forefront, and I think also as well probably something which might be highlighted by other people you have on the podcast and other artists who are trying to find trying to find your voice that you feel that from things that you get told and things that you hear, it's like, well, the, these two worlds, you can never put these two worlds together. Well, who would listen <laughs> to it? But I, mean, I think, you know, maybe the true, the confident artist should come out and go, well, this, this is what I do. Um, maybe it's ambient funk. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> ambient funk rock. I, I have no idea with soundscapes in there. Yeah. Uh, but I, I've more in my like drawn a delineation mind in my own mind and and kind of concentrate I think on the two things as two separate entities now and it's a kind of like a release from both and and, and trying to force things that work that don't work together so you know one day I'm here you know rocking out um, doing guitar stuff and you know the next day sat back you know experimenting with sampling and creating
0: weird sounds and how important do you think um that guitar stuff is, the importance of being a, a performer as a, as a composer. As I said,
1: I think the underlying thing of, of my entire life since about the age of eight, and that's probably skewed me in that direction because any, the only thing I've ever wanted to do realistically is play guitar. That, that's it. I, I have a, a passion that I, I, I'm an undying passion. I just love the guitar. It's just the thing that makes me happy. It's my happy place. It's, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, all I want to do and I'm very fortunate as well what what I do now you know I I get paid to play guitar um maybe not on a massive arena all the time but um that that's not the point I've discovered through you know through life it's not the things that you thought it would be when you're growing up it's just the fact that you get to do it and you, you you can make a living from doing it is is you know I am very very fortunate in that regard
0: great so how did you get come about getting your first projects? Um, how did you f- first come about working as a musician, particularly maybe uh, focusing on your composing side of stuff?
1: Well, as I, as I mentioned or alluded to a little bit earlier, you know, when I started out, it, it was a little bit different. So the, they weren't going to make me sound really old, but it probably isn't that old, but it was <laughs> kind of slightly pre-Facebook, slightly pre all these websites. So. Um, There were a few specific um, kind of film forums and they weren't heavily used at that time. I don't really think this kind of mass march of musicians switching from trying to do their own music to doing film music, I guess you could say, similar to what I was told, I think a lot of people now are going, I want to do music, what can we do? Media music is the place to be. Forget about having a career as an artist. Um, So it was... Again, there were, there were these websites, so it was a lot easier um, when you were applying for for roles. You know, people were meeting filmmakers, starting off at the, you know lower end of the scale. Um, and I, I just think it was a little bit easier because it wasn't inundated. I think this is something I tell my students today. You know, Facebook is is great um, for meeting people and connecting with people, but I think sometimes now with the filmmaker posting for a composer thing It's like unless you answer that post in like the first three or four replies i think the chances of you getting that role very small because Mm -hmm. all of a sudden now there's there's, you know 300 posts and I, i don't you know believe anyone's got time for three get 300 posts i also feel as well um that People just now. I've seen this as well, not just from composing, from like the gigging perspective as well. Someone will post a gig, and instantly there's 200 bands, but they, there's no <laughs> con- connection. And I suppose this is my advice: is if you're going to connect with them, connect with someone more personally. Don't just say, "Here's a link to my SoundCloud. Hire me." Like <laughs> that's. I, I, I don't. Th- you know. Uh, I know that I couldn't go through 300 posts checking out everyone out. It's just too much work. Uh, so, if someone maybe contacted you offline, uh, made the effort, and I think again we need uh, maybe it's an instant gratification thing that we're becoming used to these days. But I think um, taking the personal level can make a big difference um, to to being successful today. So yeah, so I, I was I started out by answering a few ads, and then as as again as, as I keep telling students networking through the people you know you get more work it's it's kind of really is that simple as long as you obviously if you do a good job um, because it's the path of least resistance if if i asked you you know if i was going to if i wanted a plumber i'm probably going to ask the people closest to me Who's a plumber? First of all, before I then delve into the, you know the internet and searching for people, you know it's you always want recommendations, and or you've you've seen someone do some work and you think, oh, who did that? And you ask the person, and and, and that's how I believe work really gets done in this business, even still
0: today. So, yeah, I hadn't really not, thought about that before. That when when directors are posting on a, on a, on Facebook for for a composer or something, that really is a last resort for them, isn't it?
1: I I I think so or, or or maybe it's changing again I I don't know if you know maybe younger directors much younger directors who are kind of in that social media world a bit more think that's the way to do it um I, I don't know if there's a mindset of of those who are in 18 19 20 who are starting out doing this? If that's the first port of call that they would jump to, maybe it is these days. Uh, yeah. I'm not completely sure on that. I probably should ask some of my students. But <laughs> when we've discussed this with them, they do see the logic of like, yeah, if you're gonna, if you, if you want to know where to go out for a good night out, you're gonna ask your mates first of all. Then you might jump into Facebook. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because it, it is the path of least resistance. If you can find the answer easier, rather than
0: you, you know. I... Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that, that. Where's good? Who's good? <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. So moving into uh, more kind of your uh, process then, if you, if you were to sit down with a brand new project, what's the first thing that you do? Okay, panic. Uh, <laughs> make, make some tea and then procrastinate. <laughs>
1: um, I try to, I guess, look at it at the bigger picture. I, I like to really talk to whoever the client is, and this this could be regardless of the project, if it's a composing project, if it's a guitar session project, if it's a recording project, you know, really get a feel for what the end goal is. So there's trying to minimise the confusion that might arise at a later point of view and, you know, going down avenues which aren't what the client wants because ultimately, at the end of the day, you're working for a client and it's what they want, not what you want. Um, So if I've got a bigger picture idea, then I try to get sketches down ideas down I I get inspired probably as you might gather by sounds as well so kind of creating a sound palette getting together a little kind of creative sound palette that I might use which kind of ties in again with things that have been mentioned in a in a discussion again could be samples could be synths or if it's a guitar thing trying to get guitar you know a, a group of guitar tones down um and then try to finish even if it's a rough sketch, sketch through all the way. Uh, again, could be a song, could be a, a cue, whatever. Is, is actually get the it, get it down in a in a whole format so you can listen through rather than just a few bars here and a few bars here and and just kind of random scattergun approach. Because I've noticed uh, this is something I used to do quite a lot, and I've kind of. Been on a real mission, perhaps in the last couple of weeks with students about this is, you know, having 10,000 four bar loops on your, you know, heart, called idea one through to <laughs> 10,000 um, isn't really writing songs. And we, we all get sucked into it. And I think this is a, it's part of the process with using DAWs. Again, not a, f- a complaint about them. I just think it's the way our workflow, the way we use them sometimes, that it is easy to do your four bars. Get your rough idea down, and you go. Okay, I'm actually going to fully orchestrate this now. Oh, uh, I might as well mix it, or oh, I might master it. And then I've got four amazing bars, but I don't have. And then you get kind of stuck.
0: Yeah.
1: And it, it's the equivalent, I think, of you know when you've you've got to write something, and like a report or something like that, like we were to do at school. And it's like you, you write write a paragraph, and then you spend the next three hours formatting it. And <laughs> And you've got a beautiful paragraph, but you don't have a whole con. And then you kind of really struggle, or at least I used to, to kind of finish it because you keep going back uh, because it's easier to format than it is to to finish your idea. So part of my, the the biggest part of my process currently, and and, and, and is getting the whole thing down. And it might not be the complete idea that will stick, but at least you can go from beginning to end.
0: And then you start tweaking, rather than uh, yeah. Sorry, that's a really great analogy. The um, the writing an essay, I love that. Like yeah, because it, it could be that you know, like you write an essay, you actually write or just even roughly
1: skim all the paragraphs out. And yeah, you, your I'm going to write this. In, yeah, and and then you can kind of jump back in and start formatting for for four hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because it it's like fun.
0: it's like we almost sort of get carried away composing vertically, stacking layers on layers and layers, rather than just quickly getting a horizontal sketch across it and then and then padding it out. Spot
1: on that is you you know it's yeah, it's vertical composition as opposed to time-based composition. Yeah. And and for me it's it's more about songwriting because I was having a, a conversation with a guitar player friend of mine, well, one of my best friends. And um we were, you know, thinking how why don't we just why don't we have any songs we can finish? Why don't we have any songs we can play? We've got all these brilliant riffs and ideas, but they never go anywhere because you concentrate <laughs> on getting the idea down, then you record the idea. And then you think, oh, what what's the drum part? What's the bass part? And it's like, yeah, but we don't you don't have the whole part. You don't have the song, either. so you can't actually play it. You can't perform it. So yeah, record cool, the whole song. And again, what talking about process as going back to your question, I'm. It's not easy, but I'm trying more and more to maybe use something like a Tascam handheld recorder, rather than switching on the computer, and going into the computer and going into Logic. So I think it just drags you into that mindset of oh i've got all this stuff here whereas if you just i was i was just thinking about how i used to do it going back to the early days when i got my first four track cassette recorder i was so much more productive yeah (laughs) and being blatantly honest with myself i was and because you couldn't really do a lot apart from and if you wanted to record a song you'd probably have to try and record it all the way through so you'd sit down and you'd write it all the way through and then you'd play it all the way through which is again a different thing as well, which we've kind of come down to thinking that we'll record things in blocks of bars yeah, rather than thinking, I'm going to record a whole performance. And maybe, and again, this is a controversial statement. I don't know, again, maybe what some of your other guests might think about this, but it's um, are we you know, losing some of the humanity in the performance by microscoping in on small phrases and recording those As opposed to actually recording a performance? I don't know. I don't know what the answer is, but uh, I I think I lean to more that, or more and more these days, that recording a a piece that you've written from start to finish as a performance is more evocative than doing it four bars by four bars.
0: Yeah, I'd be really, Um, most of the guests I've had on so far, I think, in fact, I think all of them have come from a performance background initially. It'd be really interesting to talk to someone who doesn't have that. You know, someone who's just yeah. grown up purely with doors and, and MIDI, and see if they have a different perspective on that.
1: Yeah, again, it's not me being down on it, cause it but it's just me thinking in terms of my, again my own process that yeah, I've kind of got sucked into it. But actually, I, I used to be more productive and I used to get more songs finished. <laughs> if I, if you know, if you if you have to be blatantly honest, yourself reflective on yourself, yeah, when I just didn't work with a computer.
0: Yeah. Um, it's almost giving yourself limitations isn't it
1: yeah limitations is my number one kind of mantra to to, to anyone really about working in this industry and recording and and doing anything is is, is limit yourself because we've got access to the most amazing technology the most amazing plugins the most amazing virtual synths and yet lots of people come to me again from a student perspective saying I can't finish anything I can't do anything it's because yeah again it's going back to that process you're thinking I I've got to make the this sound amazing straight out the bat and I've got all these plugins it's like I should be using them but yeah they're just tools it's like they're tools in your toolbox and if you're putting in a, in a you know nailing in putting a nail in the wall then you use a hammer <laughs> and you don't look at you don't look at your whole toolbox and go, well, actually, maybe I need to use my, my very expensive pliers that I've just bought and uh the the screwdriver and all these other because I bought them all and I've paid money for them. So I should be using them on every job I do. It's like, no, you just use the hammer when you're, you know, you just need a bit of EQ. I'm that, absolutely loving it. your analogies. And yeah, it's the same I mean. of like, you know, I've then got 10 hammers in my... Which hammer do I use? And you spend all day going, <laughs> well, that hammer's got a slightly nicer handle, but oh, the sound of that hammer is a little bit better. And then someone on gear slots or VI control said, that hammer's a bit rubbish um, because they had one and they, they abused it and it broke, so maybe if I use it, it'll break, so I won't use it. Oh, yeah. I don't... Just use the... T- you know, it's a tool. Use it. And you don't need to use tools in all instances. And Technically, as well, I think, you know, if you are recording a performance, uh, then get the performance right and get the sound right there. uh, Again, this is me coming from a, I guess, a a more recording, my previous experience working in studios, you look at some of the great works that have been created, created by great musicians doing it in one or two takes. It's because they just focus on the performance and they get the nail the performance. The engineer nails the sound. And then there isn't much to do. If you capture a gate recording of a great performance, there shouldn't be a lot else to do. No. That, technically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Again, and you argue that about sample libraries. You know, you've got great engineers and great musicians capturing it, and then we think, well, I've got, got to use all my wave EQs and my fad filters because I've paid for them. But
0: they've already well, been recorded at such a high standard and yeah. mixed in a lot it's of cases. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I don't know. <laughs>
0: I hope you're enjoying the show so far. Please don't forget to subscribe and leave a review if you are. My aim for this show is to help as many people as possible get into media music. If you know anyone who might enjoy the show, I'd be so grateful if you'd share the link with them. Soundtrack.academy slash podcast. Now let's get back to our guest. We spoke uh, before we started recording that you have a bit of a background in filmmaking as well. Yes. Do you think that changes your approach to composing? Do you think you think a bit differently about the music?
1: I, I'd like to think that, again that was a pure fluke slip of a. I actually had a whole, all this time, all the stuff I do one of my hobbies for a long time, outside of all this was photography. So I really, really loved photography uh, as, an, as, a, as a breakaway from all this. And uh, I was doing some sound. I stood in for someone doing some location sound on a small shoot, and the the, the, uh, the camera operator didn't turn up. And uh, someone said, "Oh, you you do photography, don't you?" He's like, "Can you drop in?" It's like, "Yeah, sure, I'll give it a go." And you know, five years later of making about 700 corporate films, uh, wow! I realised that was a big diversion for me, and it took me away from where I wanted to be, and it was great. And but I guess it's like you know, a lot of things which are corporate in nature, you 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 get uh, sucked into the the lovely the money side of it and it just becomes completely repetitive as well and again it was taking me away from what I love to do completely I thought you know you've got the extra cash you've got a a, a reliable job doing something again which is really creative and again a lot of people would love to do but it it just wasn't um it wasn't me at the end of the day and I had to be kind of brutal with myself because like yeah but it, it pays well and it's like yeah but it's not what you want to do it's not where your heart lies it's not uh, what you studied for so i just take photographs on the side now but going back to answer your question I, I, it means i can i feel i can understand talk to directors a lot easier in their kind of language and got an, a, a bigger understanding of the, the process or at least for me a much better understanding of the whole process uh, of filmmaking which again i would say to any composer or sound is, is actually just get down if you can go and particularly if you're working on small budget films go down they're, they're, i'm sure they'd love to have you on the set because you i'm sure they'll find something for you to do um, even if it's just getting tea but just seeing the process and understanding it rather than being maybe slightly isolated in your studio and then you just get dropped to a, a quick time and then and you go from there it's just and then you kind of think oh what did they do that for it's like get Get close to them, and again, you're networking as well because you know you never know the costume lady who's there um, is going to work on another film, and again, she gets asked, "Oh, do you know someone who's a composer? Oh, yeah, this composer came down to the set, and he was really you know a nice guy. Why don't you speak to him? Yeah, job done. Yeah, as opposed yeah, to again gone. trying to get be number one in 300 Facebook posts. I don't know. That seems <laughs> much. Yeah, that's yeah, So that's great. the short the short answer is yes. <laughs> it, it, it's really helped. Um, and yeah, it's just mostly about having the language to be able to, to talk to, to directors and understand camera angles and ISO and apertures and things like that, mm-hmm. um, which again means you can talk to them a little bit in their language and they don't feel so isolated I think yeah. there's the, the, because we are two different worlds in a sense. And I think you can feel there's a bit of isolation when you work with directors sometimes because you're not talking the same language necessarily.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and um, yeah. So in that corporate world, working in that corporate world, I mean, you said you said you made seven hundred projects. Did you say around that? Probably a bit more than that, because I then did freelance for a while. So yeah, I made a lot of films. <laughs> and did you not did you not feel that any of that was helping you make more contacts or grow more as a musician as well? Then
1: it was. I mean, yeah, I've I've made a lot of contacts through through that role, but. It, Um, again alongside I was doing a lot of performing as well so it's um, it was good the the two worlds did merge from time to time and then you could get people to do favors for you as well you know and it it worked really well yeah
0: all right and do you think you're having you studied obviously acoustics and sound design and stuff and then moved uh, did working as a musician for a while and then you moved back into studying music Did you find your process to composition changed having studied more?
1: Yes, a a big amount. Uh, Again, one of the uh, thing I'm so glad and fortunate that I was able to do because there's a lot of people say this and it's kind of true, you know, you can can get by um, by making your own way. And a lot of, again, this is the whole internet world, which Sometimes, you know, you have to take a lot of it with a pinch of salt. And I, I sometimes wish some of my students would take more of these things with a pinch of salt and also look at the track records. When you work with someone who, who, who's doing something as opposed to some just some guy on YouTube telling you the way to do something, <laughs> you gain so much more insight. And it's not about you going, oh, you know, I'm having to learn theory. It's, but it's like, no, it just makes your process quicker. The, anything you can learn about the process, anything you can do which makes your life easier or makes your understanding easier is beneficial. I don't see why some people poo-poo this, uh, this idea that learning theory or doing a course, you know, is, is is bad because if it saves you time, if it gives you an idea, if it gives you inspiration, if it helps you understand something, then it's, it's surely it's beneficial.
0: Definitely, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, so I, I, I've learned, you know, I can't remember, so much, so much from just watching people as well, watching people work. And you get, again, that can be inspirational as well, because you, go, oh, you, can, you can go, oh, they produced this score, and now I'm watching them practice doing this score right in front of my very eyes. It's, it, you can go, oh, it's, it, I, it's achievable for me. I'm seeing someone doing it. It's achievable. It's not this big magical thing that's happening and at the same time you can then interact and ask questions and that gives you ideas on your own process and you you can also borrow (laughs) (laughs) and i think there's nothing wrong with you know borrowing not necessarily you know complete ideas but workflow from other people borrowing workflow is, is a great thing and i think you know that's what you learn when you do can you know take things a little bit seriously as opposed to trying to do everything by yourself uh, and, and kind of go. Oh, I'm completely self-taught.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean that's to- that's like you say, boring process or getting ideas about process. That's the whole kind of point of of this podcast, really, <laughs> to help people see yeah. there's loads of different ways of doing it and loads of different approaches. There
1: is, uh, there is, no, there is no wrong or right way. And uh, uh, the only thing I can say I'm slightly against is is people go well X Y Z. You know, doesn't got any. Can't read a sheet. You know, Hans Zimmer. You know, allegedly can't read music or at least he couldn't i'm i'm pretty sure that he's in his um what 30 plus years now of being a professional composer at that level i'm sure he can have a pretty good at you know you yeah. don't immerse yourself in france uh, without being able to speak french and not pick anything up in 30 years about the language and that's all it is so uh, we have to be careful i think sometimes when people read too much into people saying grand statements about oh you know, Paul McCartney allegedly can't read music, but I'm pretty sure he can rule a chord sheet.
0: Yeah, uh, I mean, that's yeah. yeah, that's a big thing. There's lots of... Um, oh, but guitarists are a great example, so many of them that can't read music, apparently, and yet they can tell you more than you'll ever know about modes and scales and different chords and extended chords, and yet can't read music in inverted commas. Yeah, um, again, I, I think guitarists are the worst,
1: uh, <laughs> being being one myself. Uh, but there is again. I think there's there's a lot of um, kind of this weird thing that oh you don't need to you just just play play what you want play what you want and don't take lessons uh, you know X Y Z all these famous guitar players didn't take lessons but they're around other musicians they might have not had formal training. But when you're around other musicians, and if you're in a big band that is in a studio, you're around a producer who's got an understanding, who's telling you how to play things, and you'll pick things up. Again, I, I always like the, the language analogy here. It's like you know, if you're if you're immersed in a country, you, you might turn up on day one without being able to speak anything. But if you spend a long enough period there, you're going to pick up something. And whilst yeah. you might not have had formal French lessons, <laughs> if you've been there for thirty years, I'm pretty sure you can
0: speak get by. Definitely. Yeah. So I could say and talk about the study of music the whole for, for another hour, but we need to, <laughs> we'd best not. <laughs> um, moving on to a more of a technical side of things then. Uh, yeah. Do you have any particular techniques that you use regarding the production of your music? I think you might have a lot to say here with your um, digital yeah. processing background. Well, yeah, I mean, and my other, my main, one
1: of my main things at the moment, I'm a lecturer in audio engineering at the School of Electronic Music, so I spend a lot right. of time. Talking about this in few, you know, we've got six hours for a lecture. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see but, if we can do it in a couple of minutes. <laughs> uh, uh, more and more, I've gone to this kind of process of of less is more, keeping it simple, limitations, and starting off. I suppose my biggest technique now is is being fortunate enough to have many of the you know great plugins, great sample libraries, but actually taking it back to basics and actually making sounds myself. Uh, and using those and, use, and manipulating them. And I'm not just talking about weird abstract sounds. I'm thinking about actually recently just, uh, well, did a very bizarre thing sampled an egg slicer um, because it made a nice percussive sound. It turned out into an, a kind of awesome arpeggiated um, synth. Or actually sampling my guitar, uh, like an acoustic guitar, I'm creating my own acoustic sampled library specifically for the project, uh, and then being able to manipulate that, again, not in a kind of weird out there way, but in a, in a just in a slightly different way, rather than trying to find that sample or trying to find that thing in the, the bazillion samples that I've got, trying to, to, to make it um, simpler. And I, I really like the idea of the concept of like Spitfire Audio's Labs project, you know, really simple sample libraries, but really powerful and can be used in such creative ways. So I, I, I'm feeling that's become the big, you know, in the last year, part of my production technique is using simple layers, simple techniques, simple sampling to create kind of great sounds and not putting too much into it. As you were saying earlier about layering and layering, it's kind of trying to make one or two layers work really well together. And I think that goes back to the what I said earlier about getting the recording right, first of all. Getting the two things you want to work together or the three things or the one thing and then manipulating it. And it could be something just as simple as a, you know, a plucked guitar note that you've sampled, and you work with that as a concept. And it's unique; no one else has that
0: sound. It's yours. Yeah. That that's really interesting. Actually, it's it's what's really interesting as well is um, almost everybody I've had on the show so far as well has has talked in a similar way about being quite obsessed with the sound, um, yeah. which is really interesting. Even people who aren't from a sort of a sound background as well. Yeah, which I is mean. Cool. Yeah. It's interesting
1: when you think about how you know. Even you think about your own process, how you are inspired. What 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 excites you about a, a song? And I think from a guitar perspective, maybe when I'm writing, it's it's maybe a chord sequence. But the guitar has to sound right. If mm. the guitar's not feeling good that day, or you're not, you know, it doesn't work. The same when you jump into a synth patch. If a synth patch excites you, you tend to think, "Oh, I've got a song here," or again, an idea that you need to sketch into a song. Going back to earlier, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, um, You know, I find that most people I talk to get excited by something along, you know, along those lines. It's that's what gives them the the impetus to to create, and I suppose that's why working at a piano, because a lot of pianos just sound great, and you can, you know, they've a sound filling the room. It just inspires you to 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 write something, Um, and if you haven't got an inspirational sound, you're probably not going to be going to be writing anything i, I don't know I, I know if i haven't got an inspirational sound or the wrong sound then um i i, I kind of struggle mm-hmm.
0: no, i agree
1: and, and i suppose as well thinking back to as you're just asking about production techniques one of the you know the thing i'm doing quite a lot now is or have been for many years and i, I suppose i just again tell students this quite a lot is this idea of when you jump in with a lot of the virtual instruments today, they—they're all made to sound amazing. Um, things like Omnisphere, you know, Diva, whatever um, Serum, amazing sounding patches. And you think, but they just fill up the frequency spectrum. They just fill everything up. And then you start adding other layers to them, and there's nowhere to go. So just trying simple things about taking, you know, your Going back to again, somewhere some kind of classical theory could come into place. So if, you know, you take your four part harmony and treat you know your pad as a four part, and then pan those throughout the. Just play one line on a panned hard right. You know your your bass uh, or your tenor part panned a little bit to the center. Just playing one note on a synth, and then process each of those a little bit differently. And suddenly, if you've filtered out the low end from it from the higher notes. As it would be in a, a kind of four-part harmony part, each of the voices you've got a, a, a span which is not taking up the whole frequency spectrum. Well, sorry, it is taking up the whole frequency spectrum, but it's panned across and it's not just filling everything up across the middle. You've got kind of space then to put other things in.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, that's the yeah, that's definitely yeah. orchestrating or arranging your your synth yeah. parts. Yeah, yeah. I have to ask because it's it's uh, always always raised, and I know you um, your YouTube channel. You do a lot of reviews and things. Yeah. Do you have any uh, go to equipment, either software or hardware? Uh, I guess go
1: to software is Logic, just because I've been using it before, since before it was called Logic. <laughs> uh, um, having a bit of a love-hate relationship at the moment, and so that's a touchy subject, having just bought a new Mac, and it's not playing very nicely. So I'm Yeah, like, let's oh, not talk I about li-. that. Exactly. <laughs> um, I, I've just got too much. I think i just got too much invested in Logic, and it's yeah. just a thing that I can um, use quicker. I teach Pro Tools, so I'm using that pretty much daily when I'm teaching. Uh I just can still do things a little bit quicker in Logic. That's it, and I think it just comes... You know, if you add all those half a second here, half a second here, there, over a day, that makes up a considerable amount of time. Yeah. Um, So software-wise, that, and again, at the moment, probably for the last year, Spitfire Labs have have really been a go-to. I've got Spitfire Libraries, but I kind of like Labs quite a lot in terms of virtual instruments. Um, Plug-in-wise, actually, uh, I I guess I use Valhalla Reverbs quite a lot, and the... uh, Waves SSL plugins I quite like. Um, again Waves another company I'm like I want to kind of get out get out of bed with a little bit because of their upgrade plans and things but I do like the the SSL plugins there. Hardware-wise I suppose what my secret would be would be uh, just guitar pedals. Yeah, for, for everything for for synths, for piano or whatever just running things through guitar pedals. Um, and obviously guitar and I, I if you ask my partner, she would definitely say that I've got an unhealthy <laughs> obsession with guitar <laughs> pedals and that you, she, I get in trouble. Yeah. So I have to sneak them into the house. But they're, they're quite easy to sneak in because they're yeah. a good portable size. Yeah. It's always been there. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, someone told me this great tip again for buying new guitars is is to make sure you only buy guitars of the same color. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, when, so when you've got a new one, it's there it is. Yeah. It's not the new. orange it's, one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> nice.
0: <laughs> I actually saw a harpist using um, running through a load of guitar pedals the other day. That was just amazing. Yeah, I mean, it's,
1: it's simple as well, because, again, you think about how much you might spend on a plug-in. It, guitar pedals, you, on eBay or Reverb.com or Gumtree or whatever site you use, you know, you can pick up second-hand pedals
0: for, yeah.
1: for peanuts, even, again, charity shops, and it opens up a whole sonic world for you. That's yeah. unique, and... um Again, it create might create an inspiring sound, which takes you into a new place. And it, as I have said before, it doesn't necessarily mean you've got to go and create weird, abstract drones or music. As I, I can't, I don't know this this harpist piece, but I'm guessing it's still traditionally traditional melodies and things like that. Yeah, just, yeah, basically, yeah. just with a slightly different timbre to it, which yep. is, is
0: is unique. And also, it forces that performance thing that we were talking about before, as well, doesn't it? because it's being recorded yes. as audio rather than as a midi. Oh
1: yeah, sorry. I've just thought of something. I also talking about process. Uh, this is something I've been doing for for a while now but really changed the way I work is is actually committing <laughs> committing audio. So taking my midi part and then just just rendering it out and deleting it oh, yeah. deleting the midi part and going that's the performance. I can't <laughs> go back and tweak it now. And, and you move on and actually you move on and you get through and you stop this whole feeling that you can always go back and edit it's like submitting I feel like you know once yeah. you've submitted a, an exam or you submit it, it's done and you move on with your life Yeah, as opposed to when you think I can keep going back and correcting I do um, that as
0: well I sort I of do more composing and then bounce more out as audio as if they're performances and have a separate thing but then obviously yeah, someone says, "Can you change this one thing?" And you have to go <laughs> through yeah. your old files and change it.
1: <laughs> I, I suppose it is a little bit. I, I, I'm not necessarily thinking about maybe if you're again doing cues and things like that for an actual film, and you, you're, you're going through a, a kind of creative process with two people. But if you were doing like uh, media music, library music, something, like that, or even your own tracks, if you're, it's just just bounce it out because you're, you're just going to keep going back and tweaking and tweaking and tweaking. You know, so
0: get mm. it out, just get it out there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, we're coming up coming up to the end of our time. So sure. as a final question, do you have one piece of advice you would give to someone who's just trying to get started in media music?
1: Yes, it's simple. Just do it. Uh, believe in yourself. It is a tough, tough, tough world, and you will hear a lot of stories, but if you really believe that you want to do it and you really believe that you can do it, then, then just try and do it. it you will struggle. Uh, I wouldn't say that you need to necessarily think that you can do it full time straight away. I would recommend perhaps getting another job that you absolutely hate. And I say <laughs> that I don't say that it, it kind of. I mean, because if you're doing something, don't get something where you get sucked into thinking, oh, this job's not too bad and it's paying me quite well, because you will stay there. You will carry on because you will then get a pay rise and then you think, oh, I quite like having this little bit nah. of extra money. And you kind of get comfortable and then they say, oh, do you want to do, you know, four days a week now instead of the three days a week? And you go, okay, yeah, I could do with the extra money and I quite like it. And then you start having a career in another field. So it's doing something, and I don't, I don't know, or at least in your mindset, having a get out to say, I'm actually doing this for a year. And I'm going to be totally frugal for a year and save everything up to give myself another six months or a year if I can be that stingy (laughs) with my lifestyle. It doesn't mean not having fun, but it means like maybe going out to the pub with your mates every four weeks as opposed to every week. Because it gives you something exciting that, you know, nothing changes over a week. But when you see everyone every four weeks, you know, you've got a bit more to talk about. Um, So, yeah, just keep going and meet people. So do it. Meet people, meet people. Don't rely on again posting on you know to Facebook posts, just try and meet as many people as possible. And I suppose my top tip again, this is, this is always the hard one is also don't go to the places where all the other composers are, <laughs> don't yeah. go to the places where all the other sound designers are. Yeah, go to the places where the people who might want to hire you are, and you'll be surprised. Uh, you know, some of the pl- random places you go where people suddenly go, Oh, yeah, my. My son's a film director, you know, want to be film director. He might need some music. You know, it's, you never know who you're going to meet and who you're going to talk to. But, again, if you're in a room full of composers trying to get work, that's that's a bad idea. But mm-hmm. if you're in a room full of composers, um, which I think a lot of the groups like Scorecast is a great group of people, you know, they're the best places for getting knowledge. And, again, yeah. I don't mean stealing it, but transference of knowledge, you know. So grateful for Dean all those years ago for setting up Scorecast and for Chris for running it in London now and having the Composiums because they are probably you know the, the best thing to go to. Yeah. Uh, and, and then Dan Graham running Composers of the North up here in uh, kind of like the Northwest Manchester just to get-togethers, just to talk, talk your trade. Because the other thing as well is as a composer, when you are sat in your studio all the time, when you go out of it, none of your friends know what you're talking about. <laughs> Uh, and it's nice to just forget, oh, yeah, I've just downloaded this amazing plugin and I've just got, the, you know, it's, it's that kind of talk. So, But don't go there with the idea that you're going to get work, which I think I've seen in the past with, you know, maybe
0: younger people. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's marketing one at one, isn't it? Know your target yeah, audience and exactly, is not
1: yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And, and when I say do it, just get stuff out. Finish. Finish stuff. You know, don't have a thousand ideas on your hard drive thinking that you're a composer and get get it out on SoundCloud. It, it's going to be terrible maybe to begin with, but that's all part of the process. The more you do, the more you reflect, the more you'll change yourself and the more you'll find your voice and the better you will become because it's yeah. practice as well.
0: That's some great advice. Right. Well, thank you so much again for being on the show, Neil.
1: No worries, it's an absolute pleasure. There's
0: been some really fantastic stuff in yeah. there.
1: Absolute pleasure, yeah. all, right. all the best.
0: I hope you learned plenty from that episode. For more tips, head over to my website, soundtrack.academy, and be sure to sign up for my weekly newsletter. Once again, don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. It'll help me continue to convince these amazing guests to join us. And remember to tell anyone that might be interested in the show to check it out. Thank you for listening, and wherever you are in the world, I hope you have a creative day.